Please remember, the information in our podcast could be a trigger for some people. If you or someone you know has been affected by childhood sexual abuse, the Dublin Rape Crisis 24-hour helpline is 1-800-77-8888. Hello, I'm Joyce. I'm June. And I'm Paula. We're the Kavanagh Sisters, and we'd like to welcome you to our series of podcasts where we continue to shine a light on childhood sexual abuse and its impacts. In today's podcast, we are once again joined by Leona O'Callaghan, founder of Haven Hub, and Sophia Murphy, both survivors of childhood sexual abuse. We will talk about our reactions to the four-part Netflix docu-series, Jeffrey Epstein, Filthy Rich, and how we feel he managed to evade the authorities while sexually abusing and trafficking hundreds of young girls with the assistance of his companion, Geshlin Maxwell, for years. You watched the programme, what did you think of it? What was your initial impressions? What went through my head was that he was still alive. Because when I seen them being brought into the hospital on the trolley at the end, his face was red. Even looking at his cell, why did he have so many blankets? Whatever happened to him, he didn't hang himself. No. Like they say the prison was a bad prison. Well, why was one cellmate being given so many blankets? And, you know, just stupid stuff going through my head. And then I seen him being wheeled into the hospital and his face was still red. And it's like his hands were clenched. There was still life in him. Right. And it's like I was thinking, is he still alive? That's what I was thinking at the end. It's like literally, how is he getting away with it? And we know how he's getting away with it. He's connected and he's connected very high in American society now. It's just a reflection of what's going on over here. Why would he be connected? We can only surmise and we can only guess. But it would certainly appear that he has evidence on people who have power and power enough to shield him from the rigours of the law until it didn't. He got away a long bloody time and there was hundreds of girls involved in the abuse. That connection that goes right up to the top, you don't know what they were up to. We'd probably never find out. We might get bits of it. They might scapegoat a couple of people just to appease everybody and get the eye off them. If that's a reflection of what's going on here in Ireland, we could easily surmise the reason we have such difficulty in getting laws changed and getting help and support for victims would be for a similar reason, that the people that hold power are involved in forms of abuse themselves. It's in their interest to protect the laws that will protect them ultimately. Yeah, no, I think for me, collusion and corruption is a, is a massive part of it. And I do agree that in Ireland, it's, it's, we're still soaked up in it, unfortunately, whether that's through our, how our finances are spent. But certainly when it comes to sexual abuse and predators, there's a lack of consistency, there's a lack of accountability, a lack of fairness. And I think that that's hugely highlighted in what's going on over there. And, you know, the fact that it had to go so far with so many before the, the right measures are put in place to put a stop to it and, and to hold him to account. And that's what we find in our justice system here is it's our first offence, so give them another go. But no, it's the first time that they were caught and actually they were found guilty and that they went through the process. 78% of the time they don't get past the DPP's office and we know that, you know. So actually it's not necessarily the first time they've done anything. Finally, the legal system has allowed us to hold them to account. 
they're treated then as if um, the sense of unfairness around the leniency that's given with that or even in my case it was there was another girl so she had a 15 year sentence I got 17 years and the whole idea where they run concurrently at the same time yeah. you know I asked the justice minister at the time which one of us was was the free one which one did he did he get for free it felt as if okay well he'll be held to account but he'll be held to account for one of you and that would be enough who got to make that call and if that is the case was I the free rape or was she the free rape? But look me in the eye and tell me that because you're the person making that decision yeah. to allow that system. And yeah, you're, you mightn't be the judge and you mightn't be responsible for the precedent up to now, but you are responsible for the legal system as it is now today and any changes that's needed. So you look me in the eye and you tell me, actually, you were the free one. And it's the same with all the others. Who can the people that eventually held into account, can they look at all the previous women and look them in the eye and say, you didn't matter enough for this to be big and for him to be held to account. Because they're not just numbers, they're lives. And that's what's missing here is the humanness of actually the effect on every single one of those women and all the memories and all the nights of no sleep and all the dark moments that any of those experiences would have had. And they're all wrapped into one person now instead of them being seen individually. And I think that's what happens a lot in Ireland. It's all wrapped up together and it's all, okay, we'll make him pay, but to only some extent. It is like we've been saying for so long. It's a complete lack of understanding of the impacts of this crime. Is that called or is it the lack of giving a fuck? Unfortunately, I think it's a bit about our difficulty again with get people to discuss this. Why is there no willingness to deal with the issue? Why do we constantly feel we're banging our heads against the wall? The Jeffrey Epstein and the Harvey Weinsteins and all of those big cases that come now, the Jimmy Savile, the whole thing, the common thread throughout the whole lot is the lack of accountability and the power. Because that's what abuse is, it's power. Because he was who he was and it looked like he did it in plain sight. It looked like people turned a blind eye. If you stand by and don't do something while you know there's something not quite right going on over there, then in fairness, you're as guilty as the person who's abusing that person. It actually reminds me of, I was in a psych ward here after I attempted suicide and we were actually in meditation and we kind of got a tick every time if we worked through a class to try and get home that weekend. I decided I was going to all my classes and I went in there and there was this young guy in there, I'd say he was 19 or 20, very unwell, but started masturbating in the middle of mindfulness. Now, I don't mean subtly, I mean he took it out and it was very plain. <laughs> And everybody else was old elderly women, except for me and the girl that was running the course. Obviously, I couldn't close my eyes. I couldn't breathe because he was getting off in the breathing. So I had to leave the room. I was like, well, I want my tick for the class. And I was like, I'm sorry, can, I, can we stop for a second? I said, can you either ask him to leave or, or tell him to put it away? Like, I was reprimanded afterwards because I'd made the room feel uncomfortable. I had made the room feel uncomfortable in the way I handled it by literally saying out what was going on. They're the ones that have made us all uncomfortable, not the person who speaks about it. And that is the big issue now. A podcast we did on the trafficking was urging people, if you see something, say something. Yeah. Like, and it's the same with everything. I put a post up on our Kavanaugh page last night about Trump and somebody came on giving out about it, saying that too political and don't pick sides and all this. But you have to. If we just try and keep the room happy as don't make anybody uncomfortable, well, as Paula said, we are as guilty as the people who are doing it. 
Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, evil is one thing, but to look on evil and say nothing is is quite bad. But like somebody said to us recently, we have very strong legislation. We just have no implementation of it, and the judges in particular are alarmed themselves. There's no no transparency. There's no accountability, and anybody in a position of power that isn't accountable is dangerous, regardless of what your moral compass is. If you're given power with no accountability, nobody wins with that. Not you and not the people you're supposed to be dealing with. I think there's always a danger when the outcome of anything depends solely on the discretion of anyone. Now, I know there's guidelines there, but it's at his discretion. I mean, one of the cases was we won't sentence him because his whole career would be screwed up because he had a good future ahead of him. Who makes that call and gets away with it? And it is like you're saying, it's everyone needs to be accountable to somebody. You can't fall down to discretion of any individual. Even the fact that the amount of counts doesn't actually matter. I found myself even giving in and accepting that. Because on my case, there was a certain amount of counts there. I think it started off that there were 68 counts. He pled guilty to five. But because I was told that really, realistically, he'll serve the same time. It's like the others didn't matter then. And don't let anybody stand there and tell me that I had the same life if I had been raped five times compared to 68 times. Because every one of those 68 memories I needed help for. And somebody made that choice for me somewhere along the road that never had the experience. And the same when it came to being articulate. And I was lucky because I am articulate. But it did strike me at the time when I made my victim impact statement I think the reason he got such a significant sentence was because I was lucky enough to be articulate, to be able to describe the way in which he affected my life and the life of my children and the life of those around me. And if that is a determinant, then we should give victims somebody that is extremely articulate to put that victim impact statement together because some people don't even know where to start with that. And that then comes down to education and money, and it shouldn't. Leona, when we were going through the court system, there was no such thing as a victim impact statement. Even if we had been able to make one, or if we all had an, had an opportunity to go up and speak, we didn't know the damage ourselves at that stage. We hadn't done enough healing to be able to get up and determine how much damage he had inflicted on our lives. Paula, you think Pam, like our elder sister, when she actually made her statement, he denied her, and she had no one to back her up. Like We were all grown up together, whereas Pam was older. So by the time we were getting to a certain age, she had already moved out. So she really had no one to back her up and she wasn't strong enough. So she was basically told, look, don't worry about it. He's going to get charged anyway. And your rape doesn't matter. We all know Pam has been deeply affected by that. Yeah. She's been dismissed. And Um, what he said was she's just jumping on the bandwagon. Again, he got away with it because that's the system we have. It really is frightening to think that people that are making the rules are so perverted. It does actually explain why there is such difficulty in bringing about change in relation to sexual abuse crimes. That all makes sense because I would imagine the reason any progress in that direction is so slow is because the people that are in charge, that have all the power and the money, are heavily involved in perversion. Generally, right-minded people can look back on slavery now and see how awful it, it was and how it never should have happened. And I'm hoping we're going to get to the same stage in relation to sexual abuse and gender inequality. Trafficking today is the equivalent of slavery 
that we think we've eliminated, but we haven't. We've just changed it into a different pair of trousers. It's the same thing. Yeah. But the people at the top allow for this to happen at the bottom. It's the gender inequality. It's the sexual abuse and violence that goes on at the top. And therefore, they don't have the incentive to put rules in place that would put them in, in trouble. So that filters right away down. So what you're looking at on the bottom is not the same as what's going on up the top. It's doggy dog on the bottom. On the top, it's greed, it's power, it's all of that. In Epstein's case, that was one of the things the girl said at the end. They shouldn't get away with that. There were so many other people involved. Everybody knows about them. They were as prolific as he was. And why are they getting away with it? Two days before he supposedly committed suicide, he transferred all his money to his brother. They're assuming because he knew he was dying and he didn't want the victims to get access to his money. I think they still should be able to access it. Yeah, it's fine. But it's no longer his money, it's his brother's money. And his brother didn't do anything, so why should they get money off the brother? I'm sure there should be some way that they could access that money for for the victims. In fairness, like, what is money going to do when you make their life a bit easier? It's not going to fix anything. You no, know, in fairness, the state should be able to pay something. Yeah. Some of them were reported way back and nothing happened. I think the problem with it was the ones that they reported it to were highly placed and have gone on in their careers to be in higher positions. So there's no chance of them taking accountability. His partner, yeah. she should be under the same rigours of the law as him. What did you think of the girls in the programme? I related to them in so many different ways. But I'm not going to lie, there was part of me that was saying, he had a choice, why didn't he run? Why did you keep going back for $200? It affects everyone differently. And it's easy for me to say, why didn't he run and why didn't he this? He had a choice, I didn't. But that was, as I said, that was the anger in me at the time and feeling like, I wish I could have walked away and went home to my parents like some of you did. Yeah, but it's not just anger. That's a reasonable question to ask. And it's even more important that it gets answered because victims themselves are asking that same question. It's not like people who haven't experienced it, have no idea. We're people who have gone through it and we still ask the question. So for that reason, it's really important to try and answer it. From our understanding, we believe that they would have went back for a variety of reasons. The money absolutely would have been a factor because most of them were disadvantaged. They wouldn't come across that kind of money easily. But there was also the element of returning for attention. He chose vulnerable people deliberately. He did, yeah. Yeah, and it's like even a part of it, they said that there was school reports found in his trash. It's like, was he getting them directly from the school or how was he going about it? It's the one thing I think the programme failed at was trying to explain why the girls went back. Yes, yeah. they were damaged before he even got his hands on them, or he wouldn't have got Yeah, because a, f- a few of them were already sexually abused yeah. and raped. But not yeah. only that, he normalised it. Yeah. He normalised what was happening to them, because it was so overt. Everybody knew what he was doing. It was doing it in the mm-hmm. open. There was no hiding it. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't the girls think... It's okay. Maybe it's not that bad, because nobody paid attention to what he was doing with their minds. Because yeah, it wasn't yeah. what he was doing with their bodies that was the issue. It wasn't him raping them or getting them to masturbate him. It was what he was doing with the children's heads. Because yeah. they were only kids. 
I know one of the girls did say she said that she loved him and she thought she was going to marry him. Yeah. He had charisma. He was bringing them onto a private island in a private yeah. plane. They were meeting all these A-list celebrities. Mm-hmm. Now, even today with a child who is not as vulnerable as them, that's a hard thing to turn up your nose at. When he's yeah. dressing it in the top gear, the hero comes along and he says, not only will I do that, I'll bring you everywhere. I'll show yeah. you everything. And mm-hmm. I'll send you to school. I'll pay for your education. You'll be whatever you want to be in this life. And that's what he told him all. He never no. did it, but he did promise them all. Yeah. Yeah. But it, that's the thing about it. It was what he did with their heads, not what he did yeah. with their bodies, which is actually the crime. It's like when I retracted my statement from the social workers years ago. The reason I'd done it is because I was told my sisters would be taken away. Yeah. So similar thing. Yeah, our father used to tell us on a regular basis we were going to be rich. We had a shop at one point and eventually made soft ties. Yeah. And he used to say, right, we're after getting this big order now. If we do this right, by, by him telling us this, we work like dogs now. He'd say, if we do this right, we're all going to be rich. He said, these are... 10.99 each and your mom wants 5,000 of them and that's only the beginning he's going to want more he has loads of shots and by the time he was finished we were nearly frothing at the mouth <laughs> yeah yeah and we would work yeah 24 7 and it never happened but within a month he would have another scheme and he did this for years and every single time we believed him never once did he go hang on a minute da you told us that for the last 10 years and it never happened never dawned on us that yeah. <laughs> you believed him yeah but sophie that's the difference we're getting a child and starting abuse early because yeah. and what makes it difficult to deal with it and where the self-hatred comes from is when you look back and then you go oh my god like what did it take yeah we didn't question yeah. you see yeah, he lied all the time the room, from that young you don't yeah. question they can understand us we were born into that all of us here we're born into that. Absolutely, we were groomed. We fell in hook, line, and sinker, no questions asked. But in Epstein's case, a 12-year-old girl, which is a child, baby, taken mm-hmm. to his place, was raped, was given $200. So why would she come back? They had no money. They had probably got violence in their own home or some kind of abuse or trauma they all had shit lives they were chosen specifically you know because they didn't have a good background and they money, came from disadvantaged areas like money was a big draw and they bargained i believe they would have bargained with themselves thinking that, like it's awful but an hour and i've got 200 dollars like that would have been a big draw but yeah actually paula like when you were talking about when it went on further that's absolutely true you know going on a private jet to a private island, meeting all these people. But Joyce, even as a 12-year-old, even then, as a 12-year-old, even being allowed access to a wealthy man's home would be a big thing. understand, if that was any of us, if any of us were at any stage of our lives brought into a situation like that, I can see we could fall for it. We would never report it and we would continue to return back because that's the life we knew and we would have assumed there was something wrong with us that's why we were being abused yeah so, you know i used to think there must be this sign on my head yeah i said that before in another situation 
on that level, I don't understand because we were already victims and there was many of his victims were the same. They had been abused before, so they were already groomed and felt they knew no better. They deserved it. Push it off, we're getting $200 for it. And he's promised us the sun, moon and stars. But there were some that were in absolute shock at his behaviour and still went back. Everybody in their circle accepted it as normal. Because it wasn't just that individual child that went in and was shocked by the abuse on the table. Because they were already recruited by somebody in their school. They already mm-hmm. knew of other girls who were going to Epstein's place in their neighbourhood. I think it's because there's not a really good understanding of what trauma is, never mind anything else, yeah. and what children suffer and how you can manipulate them. Yeah. And I think so the I, difference between abusers is they know exactly what that is what and how to doing. do it. Yeah, it's like you, the first two girls and it's the two sisters. I think they came from like a fairly normal home comparing to the rest of the girls and yeah. they had the balls to report yes. it because yes. they had support. Yes. And as whereas the rest of the girls, as you say, he knew what he was doing from there on in because yeah. he had fucked up the first time. Yeah. So he knew then how to pick his prey. That's and, right. You know, it's like you say, when you are a victim, you do victimize yourself. Yeah. And you do anything for love and attention. And fair enough, you're getting 200 quid a box, but you're also getting to feel. And I don't I don't know if they felt nice every time, but I'm sure there was times when they, and I know it's a hard thing to say, but I'm sure there is times when they were being raped and groomed, they did feel a million dollars. Well, yeah. they say <laughs> if you do it right, the child should enjoy it. Exactly. So teenagers would have just, uh, right, compared to other, and don't, misinterpret this but compared to other men his age he wasn't particularly dog ugly he had no. charisma he had money um, so he had a lot going for him and the fact that they get that he wasn't recruiting him himself the relationship they were building was with that get with his partner yeah. who was also very suave and very charismatic so but they were was, already building yeah. that yeah i also think like you look at the hundreds of children that were involved in this that it can't be simply brushed off. It happened with such ease and frequency because it seems that it's perfectly understandable, their reaction. We just haven't captured the simple sentence that will make it all make sense. We're complicating it because we're confused. We think, my God, who would go back for something like that? We We had no choice. Like Sophia, it was our father. That's where the complication comes in is that whole idea of choice. I yes. think that's the problem here. It is. It's a misconception. They didn't feel they had Paul, any more choice than we did. But Paula, our dad abused so many people that we know of. And I remember as a child thinking, what the fuck are they doing coming back? We have to live here. They don't. <laughs> yeah. So if we, as Sophie said, as we as victims were judging them, how can we get past that so people really understand that's all i'm trying to do i'm trying to get it people understand i mean i understand it but i can't verbalize it yeah Yeah. one of the things that stood out to me the most as well is not one of those girls ever said he used a condom i know the girls that you've seen on telly are the only ones that came forward could you imagine the hundreds and there's thousands the thing that stuck out for me was how normal epstein looked when we are by media asked to look out for monsters, he could have been someone you sit beside a bus in a pub, 
He didn't yeah. look rich. He didn't look extravagant. He looked like a normal guy. Like a normal dad or a yeah, normal yeah. wife or a normal husband. Or, yeah. yeah, Someone that you could go and say hello to. Yeah. Here's what I found strange in it, and it's actually very typical of the media. All along, you see in pictures of Epstein or videos of him, he never particularly dressed up in suits. He normally wore like sweats and a top. And that's, yeah. But when they were showing him as a paedophile, when they were trying to make the point of him being a paedophile, they kept putting up a black and white image of him with all of his features darkened as much as possible with shadows and lines. Yeah. And they were trying to make him look different then throughout the rest of the program instead of realizing you don't have to do that no yeah. he looks somewhere, like somewhere somewhere in human nature by non-victims there is there obviously is a need to create this monster look yeah. to justify it and also to avoid look to distance yeah. themselves from it yeah yeah and yeah. to also admit that this could be my brother or my father it's all things we need to be aware of and try and explain yeah because i think my dad's case went into the paper they were calling him a monster and i'm not going to lie when i read it it actually got to me because i was thinking he's not those things he's a pedophile he's not this horrible person you're explaining him out to be and i think that's the wrong thing for the media to do as well because if a child is being abused and their their abuser doesn't come across as being this big horrible scary monster they're going to think yeah. themselves well it's okay because yeah. he's not this monster, he's not this horrible yeah. person. Yeah. He's a yeah. nice person that treats me nice, a paedophile, because he's not this horrible person, if that makes sense. So if you see that explanation of your dad and why you're saying the media shouldn't portray him as monsters, that's exactly why I think the girls came back to Epstein. See yeah. all those things you said a, a child yeah. would feel about, the, well, he's not a monster, he's actually really nice, so he's not a paedophile. And right, he wants a bit more than a massage, but... He's not yeah. a monster. He's a nice man and he's given me attention. Yeah, and, and nobody described him as aggressive or violent no. or anything. You no. know. Yeah. What annoyed me more than Jeffrey Epstein was Prince Andrew. The picture of him there with that girl and he's right. still calling her a liar. Yeah. One of the employees that worked on the island said he was grinding up against her. And That's right. Her. Yeah. He's still denying it. Yeah. I can't see, imagine what she's feeling. I was even getting this up through my body, like the frustration of it. I was like, you asshole. Oh, I couldn't even look at him being interviewed. And yeah. again, I think us as victims get that attitude that, that Prince Andrew has of deny, deny, deny. Even when the evidence have done to you, I'm still going to deny it. Other people really struggle with, he wouldn't be saying <laughs> that if he had actually done something. They couldn't be that brazen. And that's the yeah. problem. They are yeah. that brazen. But you know what I was saying myself then after, even if he didn't recognise the picture, the reason he didn't recognise it is not because he didn't remember it, because it was probably so many beautiful yeah. looking girls that he was with, he can't remember that one picture. Yeah. Oh, I can bet you he does remember it. That's the only other excuse he could yeah. have if he didn't remember it. It's not because he didn't abuse her, it's because he abused so many more. I'd say he does, Sophia. He just taught. He's just denying. Yeah. yeah. I do think we have to turn the clock back to nosy neighbours. Do you know the way? But you'd have been spotted by somebody and they would have told your parents. Whereas nowadays, you could murder somebody outside your door and somebody would close the curtains for fear. They don't, they don't want to get involved. They don't want to get into trouble. It is fear. It's not badness. But we have to start challenging that because that's how evil gets done. If you're encouraging people to speak out when they see something and you're encouraging to report, 
there has to be somewhere to report to that is also accountable and transferable. It's just with the corruption that's going on now, people feel even if they were to report something, they don't trust who they're reporting it to. Mm. And that's an issue we all have to deal with. But you have to start somewhere. If you wait until we fix the system before you can report, we're screwed. And together we're stronger. Change usually occurs when somebody courageously stands up and says, no, I'm not doing this anymore. And it can be one person. So I absolutely agree with you. I mean, I don't know if I'd be that person. I'd probably be the one closing my curtains out of fear. In a hotel, for instance, you need more than the girl on the desk knows there's something wrong. You need the girl on the desk, the people who are doing the room, the ones in the bar, the ones in the restaurant, all of them saying, hang on for a second, there's something not right here. So we all need to be vigilant. But they also said, if you even suspect something, if it is only the girl on the desk, well, say something. Don't wait until you get it confirmed by the girl who cleans the room. One person can make a difference. If you're wrong, then that's great news. Yeah, you know? happy days. Yeah. Say, well, what if I'm wrong? Do you know, if you're mm-hmm. wrong, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Training people in suicide prevention. And one of the things that can stop them sometimes from asking the question of, can I check with you? Are you feeling suicidal or have you any suicidal thoughts? What a lot of their time, the fear is, is well, what, what if I got it wrong? What if I picked up signs and there weren't signs? And I said, well, that's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> that means yeah. the person's not suicidal. Fantastic. Yeah. That's the best outcome. Without silence, perpetrators don't stand a chance. Thanks so much, guys. It's a great and thank you. Again. We love you to bits. We love happy. you too, guys. Go Thanks on. so okay. much. See you soon. Thanks a million. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening. Hopefully some of the information we've shared will resonate with you and bring you to a place where you can have compassion for yourself. Please know that no matter how you feel, or how you respond to the abuse, it was normal. We're hopeful and optimistic that those in a position of power to bring about change will be moved into action so we can finally eradicate childhood sexual abuse. So please spread the word and share the information. The decision to heal from childhood sexual abuse places you on the most important journey of your life. You're in charge of this journey. Only you know what works for you and what doesn't. It takes as long as it takes because there's no rush in it and there's no fake in it. You have to feel it. And just as the ripple of pain that you're in goes out and impacts all of those around you, so does the healing. And the more you heal, the more everyone around you benefits from your healing. You've been listening to the Kavanagh Sisters podcast. You can contact us through Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or email the Kavanagh Sisters at gmail.com.